Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we'll have information on migraines and the hashtag AskForEcho campaign for heart valve disease. We'll also be finding out about the upcoming Scranton Jazz Festival. In Wilkesbury, the Multicultural Parade and Festival will be happening in September. There's still time for you to sign up. And today, we're starting off special edition. We'll be introducing you to Sherry Crowley. She is the fundraising director with the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter. She'll be here to tell us about Paws in the Park. And starting us off, volunteers are getting ready for the first ever canine cleanup. Laura Breakstone is the owner of Paramount Pet Care, and she has all the details on how you can get involved. Laura, welcome. Nice to have you with us. And you have a canine cleanup event that's coming up very soon in Kirby Park, Wilkesbury. Can you give us a little bit of the background about how this came about? My boyfriend and I, uh, he helps me manage the business. And we have a, a pet sitting and dog walking company um, in the area. And I realized that as my business started to grow a little bit, I have this sort of influence, uh, but I want to use it for good. Uh, my name is getting a little bit more out there. It's a little bit more recognizable. Um, we have a bigger following. And I thought, you know, with this, I, I would love to do something great for the community more than anything. So um, I thought, what better way to do this than try to host an event at Kirby Park where we, you know, help clean it up. We get a bunch of volunteers together and we try to make the place, um, you know, look nice. And I'd love to even do more community service events going forward. As you mentioned, you're involved in pet care. And a lot of times when people go not only to Kirby Park, but other places, pet waste is one of the things yes. that they they just don't seem to take care of, Laura. How do, how do you change that? You know, you can't <laughs> follow people and say, hey, you know, pick up your dog's waste. But, um, you know, I would love to have our team kind of go in and try and, you know, because that's, that's a hazard for, for people and pets alike. Um, because, you know, I mean, as people are walking their dogs, they might even want to eat it. I mean, it sounds gross, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you see that happening all the time. So um, if we can help kind of clean up the area, make it free of debris, trash, pet waste, we would love to, to help out in any way we can. I think it's great that you're actually getting together and not only are you looking at debris, but the pest pet waste issue is a big thing. I know I have a dog and when I go out, I take a lot of bags with me. Is getting the more of those kind of bags that they put around at different places, is that maybe something that you would even begin to look to in the future? Because if they're there... You would hope people would use them. Yeah, you know, I have seen them there, too. They do have a couple different stations, um, especially kind of along the dike area that I have seen anyway, at least the last time I went to Kirby Park, that, you know, they do have bags available. Um, and even other sections of the dike, kind of even along Wilkes-Barre, Hanover Township. I mean, I'd like to think that people would use them, but, you know, there's there's always those handful of people that, you know, maybe just Either I, you'd be surprised. I used to work at a pet store too. And sometimes people don't even notice that their dog is going to the bathroom because they're so distracted. <laughs> but I, I'd love to see people try to um, clean up after their pets a little bit more. And like I said, if we can 
um, make a difference in our community by going out there and at least making the park clean and beautiful for one day, then we'd love to do that. Well, I, I'm behind you all the way. I think, you know, again, it's one of those subjects that you don't want to talk about, but you have to talk about it because sometimes you're, and I hate to say it this way, stepping right into it. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's time to get ahead. So now the canine cleanup, when is it going to be happening? You mentioned at Kirby Park. And are you still taking volunteers? Because I know in Wilkesbury there are a lot of people who are involved in cleanups in neighborhoods. So how does all this work? Yeah, so the date is going to be set for um, August 6th, and we're all going to meet um, in Kirby Park at 11 a.m. And, uh, yeah, so we are definitely still taking volunteers. We do have a sign-up form that, um, you know, you can fill out. We do have a QR code um, that you can scan or um, a link that people can um, go to to sign up for the event. And um, But, yeah, so you can sign up until uh, the 30th, and then that's exactly one week before the event. Well, just in case somebody doesn't have, do you have a um, a link? Uh, do you have that website or, or the link that you can share with our listeners? So it's ParamountPetCare.ActiveHosted, uh, and that's A-C-T-I-V-E-H-O-S-T-E-D.com slash F. Slash eighteen, so it's nothing fancy, <laughs> but that's that's the that's the link. And Paramount is P A R A M O U N T, correct? That's correct. Yep. Just in case anybody is looking for you, where are you located? I personally live in Kingston, but the business uh, we serve a good majority of Luzerne County. So I have uh, ten employees right now that work for me, and we're kind of scattered all throughout Luzerne County. So I have a couple in Mountaintop a couple in the Back Mountain, one in Bear Creek, one in Wilkes-Barre. There's a few of us in the Kingston, Swartersville area. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we kind of go all over and we come to you. So we're an in-home pet sitting service, um, you know, providing, you know, the what I like to think is the best pet care um, that you can possibly get because we also use a professional um, software, a pet sitting software as well. So not only are we coming to your house and taking care of your pets, but you can see we're clocking in and out of our visits. You can see the GPS um, coordinates to your home. So, you know, you know that we're actually there when we say we are. That's great. Well, it was wonderful to be able to get the word out about you, your services, and of course, the cleanup that's coming to Kirby Park in Wilkesbury. Because again, when you start with something like a grassroots effort like this, I think that we'll be hearing more from Laura and Paramount Pet Care in the very near future. Anything that we have left out that you would like our listeners to know, and maybe you can just give them the information one more time as to the where, the when, and how they can get in touch with you. Sure, yeah. So um, it's going to be on August 6th, and that's a Saturday. So that's coming up quickly. Um, We are still taking volunteers uh, until the 30th of this month. And uh, we're going to be meeting at 11 a.m. That'll be at Kirby Park. And we have Pavilion number three reserved for this event. And uh, so we'll be meeting there at Pavilion three. And then everybody who's going to come to the event, we're going to be providing them with all the um, necessary, you know, stuff for the cleanup. So like the gloves, the garbage bags, hand sanitizer. And we actually do even have an event T-shirt that everybody will get. Um, you know, for free when they sign up for the event. And we'll also have a couple other, um, you know, really cool promo items there to hand out. Also, following the cleanup, we are going to be, um, you know, providing a light lunch uh, for everybody who volunteers, Um, you know, hoagies, chips, water, sodas, things like that, Um, just for, you know, as a thank you for helping us out and helping us make a difference in our community. Thanks again to Laura Breakstone, owner of Paramount Pet Care, with all the details on the canine cleanup. You can find out more by visiting their website or their Facebook page. Laura also says if you would like to volunteer, you can actually have until Monday to give them a call and let them know that you'll be there. It's almost time for Pause in the Park. Sherry Crawley is here to tell us where and when the benefit for the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter will be held. Sherry, it's nice to meet you and it's wonderful to have you here with us because we always like to talk about things that are happening at Griffin Pond Animal Shelter. So as we start off today, you can start off by giving us a little bit of an update. What's been going on up there? 
Here at Griffin Pond, as you probably already know, we're, we're at capacity with animals. Uh, we have animals living in uh, offices. We're a little bit, we're not taking in surrenders or, or animals right now. We're just trying to focus on the animals that we have to, to get into their forever homes. And so far, so good. We have some kennel spaces opening up. That's great. And I know you have an awesome Facebook page where you Thank keep you. you keep everybody updated and there have been some adoptions occurring. Correct. Uh, just this past week, we had over 30 adoptions, 22 cats and eight dogs. That's wonderful. Yeah, we can't forget about the cats because yeah. you know, we, we, we think about the, the dogs, but there are many cats that are still looking for forever homes as well. So if someone is thinking about adopting, what would they first even before they even call you, what should they consider? They should consider making sure that their house is ready for an animal, that their lifestyle is ready for an animal, that they have a backup plan for the animal in case an event something happens to them that somebody else could take care of their animal. That would be my advice for the first step. The second step would be is to go on our website and to fill out an adoption application if they decide they want to adopt. And then once their application is approved, we will call them to set up a time to come in. We're not open to the public, so you can't come in and just view animals. We're um, by appointment only. And if someone is getting to that point and they say, you're right, Sherry, I've thought about this. My house is ready. What advice would you give? Because I think that's probably correct me if I'm wrong. One of the biggest reasons that people end up surrendering is because the animal that they select is maybe not right for them. So what would they take into consideration? They want to take into consideration their their lifestyle. Are they are they active out in the community? Are they, you know, a hiker? Are they are they a homebody? You want that animal to kind of fit your lifestyle. Say for instance if if it's a dog, you might want you know, a laid back dog and not a dog that's excited and, and hyper all the time where they need tons of exercises. Same with cats, you know, do you want an older cat that's more chill back, chill out than a kitten, you know, where they're kind of bouncing off the walls and wanting to play nonstop, you know, in the middle of the night, that, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what I would do. And the same thing you just mentioned, kittens, kittens and puppies are so cute. But I think they're a little bit more to consider. Correct. They grow up. You know, they don't stay kittens and puppies forever. So that's something else to take into consideration. If you're getting a puppy or a kitten, that's another commitment. Like they need, some of them need, you know, around the clock care. They can't just be left at home for hours while you're at work. You're not going to be able to litter box train them or potty train them if you're gone 12 hours out of the day at work. And that also comes into we get bored. And what do we do when we're bored? We find things to chew on. Correct. <laughs> and and that can also be. You know, it's a, so a lot of times people don't think about those things. They just think this is a great idea. The animals are wonderful. They need homes, but it all goes into it. And I would like to come back and give some folks some other tips from your perspective. But before we get back into that, let's talk about what's happening Sunday, August 7th. Where and when is that? That is uh, Paws in the Park at McDade Park, and we're excited to bring our fourth year of Paws in the Park. So what exactly is Paws in the Park? Maybe some folks haven't heard about it before. Paws in the Park is our biggest fundraiser event of the year for Griffin Pond Animal Shelter. We have over 40 vendors. We will have two food trucks, an ice cream truck. We'll have raffle baskets, 50-50. It's just a really good time. It's all pet friendly. We'll have some shelter pets, um, animals out there as well. It's a good time. And you mentioned the fact that this is the fourth year. So it's been going on and people are, are maybe just starting to hear about this for the first time. So if someone wants to go to the event, is there an admission price or, and you mentioned pet friendly, so you can bring your own? Yes, you could bring your own pets from home. It is a $10 admission. You could buy tickets at the gate. 
um, your wristband at the gate, or you could buy your wristband ahead of time on our website. It's ten dollars. Uh, GriffinPondAnimalShelter.com. People get to pause in the park, and there's activities. What does that mean? Activity-wise, well, I mean, we'll have like wading pools throughout pause in the park for all the animals, for dogs especially. We'll have uh, music, raffles, 50-50. You get to shop around and support some local uh, small businesses, vendors that'll be out there as well. We have Toyota is our big sponsorship uh, this year, so they're, they're sponsoring us. And then we have some other sponsors as well. Once it's all said and done, where does it benefit? Oh, it benefits our medical fund. So all the money raised for Paws in the Park will go right directly into our medical fund, which helps any animals that need medical services that come into our shelter. We're raising funds, and I know that is one of the things because when you call Griffin Pond Animal Shelter, there is a button that you can press and get connected to the folks who are doing fundraising. If there are people, and I I know sometimes schools get involved, organizations get involved. If there are people who are listening and saying, you know, this is a great idea. Pause in the park is wonderful. And of course, we know that the pet medical fund always can use a help. What would you suggest for people who want to maybe get involved and doing some, some fundraising to benefit Griffin Pond? They could go to our website. We have a tab that says fundraise with us and you could click on that tab and you could fill out the form and I will personally contact them and we'll discuss it further. Excellent. Let's have you can once again issue the official invitation to the Griffin Pond Animal Shelter Pause in the Park event. The where, the when, the benefit and of course, all the fun. Pause in the Park, August 7th at McDade Park from 12 o'clock to 3.30. Come on out. It's going to be a great time. We'll have over 40 vendors, two food trucks, an ice cream truck, music, raffles, 50-50. It's pet friendly. Come on out. It's going to be fun. $10 admission. Thanks, Sherry. You can find out more about Griffin Pond Animal Shelter's Pause in the Park on their website and their Facebook page. Don't go away. Festival's coming up on Special Edition. Time for festivals, and we're starting off on special edition with the Scranton Jazz Festival. Marco Marcinko, you have been doing music, wow, you must, when you came out of the womb, I think. Is that is that true? I come from a musical family, so there's a little bit of truth to that, but we were all, all, uh, all siblings were playing at a very young age. I think uh, there's photographs of me at four years old playing the drums or doing something, but yeah. For as long as I can remember. Yeah, I, I, I would think so, especially throughout our area. There are so many things you've been involved in. And now you're heading up the Lackawanna County Jazz Festival. What's all that about? Well, it's the Scranton Jazz Festival. And um, I'll tell you exactly what it's about. We're, we're in our 17th year. And uh, it's an annual event that always takes place. The first weekend of August, August 5, 6, and 7 this year. And it'll be in downtown Scranton, and we'll have over 23 various venues from restaurants to bars to uh, various establishments, businesses, all involved as part of the jazz festival where you could go and hear live music and just experience something that's similar to um being on Bourbon Street in New Orleans or being in the West Village, you know, where there's just music everywhere and people getting together and socializing and having a great time. So, um, again, 17 years for this. And um, this year, uh, we're going to have some wonderful headlining acts like the Four Freshmen, the legendary vocal group, and a wonderful group that does a uh, recreation of all Steely Dan's music called the Royal Scam. They're going to be there, the Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band, uh, the great blues man Bobby Kyle, and just many, 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 many great musicians. Uh, I think in years past, we've counted up to over 90 to 100 musicians are presented in one weekend. So there's, there's a lot for people to come and see in downtown Scranton. Yes, I should have said the Scranton Jazz Festival. So let's go back in time a little bit. 17 years 
for the yeah. Scranton Jazz Festival. Where did it get its start? Why? Okay. Well, it's a wonderful question, and it goes way, way back to a thing that was called the Summer Music Festival that Mayor Connors, Jimmy Connors, was a big advocate for. And it was at Neon Park, and there were carnival rides, and there were there was the showmobile, and there was different music each day. Maybe one day had country music, one day had rock music, another day had jazz music. So it, it kind of comes from that. And when Jimmy Connors uh, left office and Chris Doherty came in, there was an empty year there where they didn't do the summer music festival. And some people started saying, oh, we should do the festival again. You know, we need, we need to have it. It was so much fun. So in, that's when uh, I was asked, you know, uh, my opinion on it. And, and I was an advocate for let's just do a jazz festival because I thought that it would be uh, a perfect niche thing for the area. Uh, we could get the support for it. And uh, lo and behold, 17 years ago, we did a, a one-day event, and a lot of people came out. And it was at Hanlon's Grove at Neon Park, where there was a big tent that was erected to do shows and various things of that nature. And uh, we stayed at Neon Park for several years, and we had a, a weekend festival there. And then uh, a storm came along in February. It was around Valentine's Day some many years ago. And this storm was so bad that the snow uh, destroyed the tent, the, the, the temporary sort of permanent structure tent that was there. And uh, that ended our run at Neon Park, and we had to come up with another idea. So we moved into downtown Scranton, and we located ourselves at the Radisson Hotel uh, where the train shed is. and. Um, we had that as a like amphitheater of sorts, and we did all our main stage acts there, and we presented many Grammy award-winning, amazing artists over the years. And now, post-COVID, quick history there: when we had the when we had the COVID stop and pause on everything, we didn't do it in 2020. So when we came back in 2021, we made it more about the downtown and the venues in the downtown, so the restaurants and the bars could benefit from you know, uh, people coming and patronizing, listening to the music and, you know, buying food and drink and so on. So um, that's where we come to today in year 2022. Our 17th year will be throughout the downtown and we'll have a main stage at the Ritz Theater hosting the Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band on Sunday, August 7th with the four freshmen and on Saturday night, August 6th with the Royal Scan. Amazing how you go from one location to another and everybody knows exactly where you are. And it, yeah. it also reminds me of like the first Fridays because there are a lot of things that happen at different venues. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown of where I know you mentioned the Ritz, but where else will some of the venues be? OK, well, we work in coordination with uh, first Friday, so I'm glad you you brought that up because just on the Friday alone, that's when such a large number of the venues are involved. And I can tell you, you know, I'll even say it, I could list it alphabetically because I have it memorized now after booking the musicians in the various places and what have you. We have a Dezo uh, coffee house, which is in that wonderful alleyway on Center Street Court near the Hilton. So uh, the Ken Marquis uh, Art and Frame building. So Adezzo's involved, the Backyard Ale House, they're always involved. Those guys do a great job over there. And Barpazzo on North Washington Avenue is involved. Bartari, they're new to us this year. They're coming on board, and they're going to have live music on Friday and Saturday. And uh, they're right there on the corner of Adams and Lackawanna. The Bog, of course, they've been a staple right from the beginning, uh, going all the way back to when Brian Craig was involved with them. So the bog on Adams Avenue will have music on Friday and Saturday. Catch 21 is coming on board this year. And that sits on the corner of North Washington and Linden. And they're going to have music. Commonwealth Coffee, the coffee house over there by um, Lackawanna and uh, Penn, right across from the marketplace at Steamtown. Uh, the Fidelity Bank Lobby on North Washington Avenue. There's a business that doesn't necessarily have uh, 
a bar in it, obviously, <laughs> but they're going to be involved and they're going to probably do something nice uh, to cater to the audience. Uh, the Garden, the new location on North Washington Avenue in the Alexander uh, Spa Building, they're involved. Lavish. That's uh, Hadley. That's my dog Hadley barking. That's because, that's because that's because he wants to go. Yeah, he was <laughs> raring to go. I got two beagles raring to go all the time. Hadley, come here. So um, Lavish is on, uh, let's see, Adams is, yeah, Adams and and Biden Way. Um, North, Northern Light Espresso Bar on, on Biden Way. Uh, the Marketplace at Steamtown and... Peculiar Kitchen, The Art Room, and Fork and Bowl. All three venues will have uh, music on the sidewalk on Penn Avenue. PJ's Pub at the Hilton Hotel will have music. Tracks Radisson uh, Patio will have music. The Rail Yard, uh, right across the street from the Radisson, will have music. Courthouse Square is going to have music uh, by way of the Recovery Bank. The Ritz Theater, which we mentioned earlier, they're going to have uh, some music on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then the Scranton Cultural Center is going to be involved with their outdoor sidewalk on Friday and Saturday. And then finally, but not least, is the 500 block of Lackawanna. And that's the uh, 500 Renaissance. And that's right on Lackawanna Avenue where the big John Lennon mural is. And there's going to be music in there. So it's a lot of places that you could hear and witness uh, live music over the course of August 5th, 6th, and 7th. And as you're going through that list, I'm sure that our listeners are saying, wait a minute, Mark, back up, make, well, wait up, I missed that one. So where can they get all the information at their fingertips? At their fingertips, they could go to their device and type in www.scrantonjazzfestival.org. Scrantonjazzfestival.org. Ticket information is there. The map information of all the locations, the artists that are going to be playing in the locations are listed there. Everything that you want. It's almost like the virtual program book on your phone. Our sponsors are listed there as well. And, you know, without saying all the sponsors' names, I would just say please check out the sponsor page on the website so you could see all of these wonderful businesses and individuals that contribute to the jazz festival to make it happen for our area. I mean, that's super important without sponsorship, there would be no way to pull off a big festival like this. And as far as tickets are concerned, are they needed for all of the venues or some of the venues? Well, Friday is completely free for the public. So we make it very accessible and we make it like as a part of first Friday, we make it completely free to the public. Saturday, there will be a main stage event. If you want to go and see the Royal Scam at the Ritz Theater, there is a ticket price. It's on the website. And if you want to go to the Ritz Theater on Sunday to see the great Scranton Jazz Festival Big Band with the legendary Four Freshmen group, you will have to pay a ticket for that. Other than that, you could go to all of these venues and you could you know, hear some great live music without any cost. Well, I'll tell you, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful weekend. A lot of music in downtown Scranton. A lot of folks are going to be, I'm sure, coming to all of the different events. So, Marco, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, as I like to do here on Special Edition, and have you issue the official invitation of the where, the what, the when, the Scranton Jazz Festival. Take it away. (laughs) Paula, thanks. Well, I, you know, this festival would not happen without the wonderful sponsorship that I mentioned earlier, but also with all the volunteers that contribute to the weekend that help us out in so many locations. And our, we sell merchandise and T-shirts and we need staffing for all of that. So we have wonderful committee and staff with Larry Pugliese, Gina Sloboda, and uh, Jimmy Langan and Jennifer Terrell. And then, of course, our, our wonderful executive director is Sarah Effort. And so we also have a beautiful uh, board of directors that is, you know, behind the scenes contributing in so many different ways. There's, there's just so many names. So 
again, the website will will tell you a lot of the lots of stuff that you that you're looking to find out. But just a thank you to those those people as well. Please come to the 17th annual Scranton Jazz Festival in downtown Scranton on August 5, 6, and 7. If you want more information on tickets and the locations of all the various venues in downtown Scranton, please visit www.scrantonjazzfestival.org. Hope to see everyone there. And I thank you for Paula for this interview and for promoting our wonderful event, the Scranton Jazz Festival. Now, Kirk Marshall joins us. He's the special events director for the city of Wilkes-Barre. So on September 17th of this year, we're going to have our multicultural parade and festival on Public Square. And basically that involves um, different representatives from all different cultures in the city and in the area will come out and uh, kind of put on display of maybe some of their native traditions of uh, maybe dancing, music. Uh, there will be a lot of different ethnic foods that would be uh, displayed there at the, at the show, as well as some crafts and uh, other items. And I understand that you are still looking for folks to get involved in this. So how would people go about doing that? Um, the best way to go about it would be to go to the city's website, and that's Wilkes-Bear, that's hyphenated, Wilkes-Bear.city, and then look under the Special Events tab, and under there you will see a tab for the Multicultural Parade and Festival. In there, there's uh, different applications for entertainment applications, parade applications, uh, vendor applications, and if you wanted to sponsor the event, there's an application in there as well for a sponsorship. And there's a deadline. There is August 26th. Uh, we will after August 26th we will stop taking applications um, because then we have to start preparing and getting the parade list together and everything. We can't take anything after August 26th. So that is not only for the people who want to sponsor. That's also for the people who want to take part. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's important for us to have a deadline so we don't have any last minute applications coming in and and, and we might not be able to fit them in. And it's also coming back from what I understand, you know, COVID, of course, disrupted so many things. And the Multicultural Parade and Festival was one of those. Yes, um, it was it was gone, like like you said, for uh, COVID. And now it is coming back, much like uh, our other events in this city. We're starting to ramp them up again uh, since we're out of the COVID issue. And now that it's coming back, you want everybody to get involved. So, Kirk, I'm going to turn it over to you one more time. Give us the when, give us the where, and, of course, the most important thing, if people want to get involved being in it, sponsoring it, how they go about doing that. Sure. So the Multicultural Parade and Festival will be Saturday, September 17th. Uh, The parade lineup will be at 11 a.m. The parade starts at noon. And we'll go from South Street and South Main down to Public Square and where everybody will pass the reviewing stand. And then the festival starts with our music and food and uh, vendors and such. And again, if you want any more information on it, you can go to the city's website. That's Wilkesbear.city. And then you go into the special events section and you'll find the multicultural parade. And there you'll find all of the applications needed. And anybody who's ever been to St. Patrick's Day or the Santa Parade knows that Wilkes-Barre really throws a party. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And speaking of parties, well, it's not really a party, but it is a gathering, a get-together, and that's still happening every Thursday on Public Square. What's that? That's our farmer's market. And uh, this year we've we've ramped it up a little bit. We've uh, kind of upgraded our entertainment. We have... A lot of local bands playing every Thursday. There's a new local artist playing, and they're they're really fantastic uh, uh, musicians that play. So you want to come down to see that, as well as we have some of our regular standby vendors and some new vendors down uh, at the farmers market. So come down, get some lunch, uh, buy some produce from the farmers. It's a good time. It's really starting to pack up down there. And you also have some special days coming up in August and September. Uh, yes, we have uh, we have a couple different things going on. Um, we have Veterans Appreciation Day on August fourth, uh, and Active Agent Day on September twenty ninth will be uh, 
will be entertained by Stanky and the coal miners. Wow. You are talking big time entertainment there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Anything else, Kirk, that you might want to uh, let our listeners know about? Because I know we're going to have you back in the very near future because you do have some exciting events coming up that we don't want to tell them about just yet. No, that's a, that's about it for right now. It's just trying to get uh, the uh, multicultural parade together and keep maintaining the, uh, the high quality of the farmer's market that we have now. Next on Special Edition, the Ask for Echo campaign and migraines. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. In this segment, we'll hear about migraines on Special Edition and starting us off, the Ask for Echo campaign focusing on heart valve disease launched by Heart Valve Voice U.S. Cardiologist Dr. Srikanth Vimulapalli explains. Let's start off with having you explain exactly what heart valve disease is. Perfect. So um, your heart has four valves in it and they are designed to allow blood to flow in one direction only. So heart valve disease is where any one or more of those valves either doesn't open properly to allow blood to go forward or leaks so that blood goes backwards. Would you have any symptoms of this? That's a great question. So um, when heart valve disease is in its early stages, there may not be much in the way of symptoms. As it progresses and gets more severe, Patients often will feel shortness of breath, fatigue, or chest discomfort, or maybe even swelling in their legs. There are also versions of heart valve disease that can be genetic, and in the early versions of that, um, patients may not feel anything until it progresses. Now, you mentioned genetic and not knowing it, so how prevalent then is heart valve disease? That's a great question, Paula. So about 2.5% of the population has heart valve disease. So that means one in 40 people. And then once you hit the age of about 70, that goes up to about 13%. So one in eight people. It turns out, if you look at 65-year-olds and above, one in 15 people has undiagnosed moderate or severe heart valve disease. And that's really the problem. That's why we're conducting this campaign, Ask for Echo, is the fact that much of the time heart valve disease is undiagnosed. Well, let's talk about that. Hashtag ask for echo. What is that all about and how would you even go about getting involved in that? Yeah, so we're trying to reach out both to patients and providers to raise awareness of both the prevalence and the rate of underdiagnosis of heart valve disease. And it's important because there are certain types of heart valve disease that can be lethal. We know that aortic stenosis, which is a problem with the valve between the heart and the rest of the body, that that valve doesn't open properly, that if you have severe aortic stenosis, within two years, 80% of patients will die if they're not treated. So we're trying to raise this awareness and tell people, look, if you have symptoms of chest pain, shortness of breath, swelling in your legs, fatigue, or if you have a family member who's been diagnosed with heart valve disease, You should be talking to your provider about, do I need an ultrasound of my heart? 
And again, that's something that maybe a lot of people might have the symptoms of, but broaching that with their physician might be a little bit uncomfortable because they're thinking, well, this is something that I really don't know a lot about, but why would I even ask for an echo? Yeah, I think the important things here are not only is it uh, sort of under awareness for patients, there's under awareness amongst doctors as well. And so I don't think it's safe to assume that every doctor that a person sees knows about heart valve disease. And we mentioned all those symptoms. Those symptoms really reduce somebody's quality of life. And of course, we mentioned there are versions of heart valve disease that can result in death. So I think uh, we want to empower patients to say, look, I'm having symptoms. I'm not feeling well. This could be heart valve disease, which could be lethal to me it's reasonable for me to ask whether I should have an ultrasound to make the diagnosis. And then what happens if you are told, yes, this is something that you have? Is there treatment? Does it only mean surgery? Can anything else be done? That's a great question. So if heart valve disease is severe, 15 years ago, I would have said the treatments are generally surgery. And what I mean by that is you have to go into the hospital, have your chest opened up, stay in the hospital a couple of weeks and then recover for several months out of the hospital after having had your valve repaired or replaced. But in the last 10 years, we now have minimally invasive techniques to repair and replace heart valves. So we can do this generally through a, a needle hole in the leg. The procedure is done one day, stay in the hospital overnight, leave the next day with no restrictions on your activities. So because we have these abilities to treat minimally invasively, it becomes even more important to make the diagnosis of heart valve disease. And you mentioned echo, obviously, echocardiogram. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what that process is? And just in case somebody has never had one or has been told that they would need one and don't know what to expect. That's a great question. So an echo is an ultrasound of the heart. It's completely non-invasive. And what happens is it takes about 30 minutes and somebody basically will put some gel on your chest and then take pictures with an ultrasound machine of your heart. So you'll have moving pictures of your heart at the end of this. And any trained um, cardiologist can interpret these. These can be done in the office. They don't require a hospital stay. You can walk in and walk back out 30 minutes later. So when you're talking about heart valve disease, one of the things that you did mention was the genetics. Are there things that people could do, maybe change diet, maybe exercise, the things that we always hear about keeping good health that might either stop it or maybe delay heart valve disease? So it's not clear that diet or exercise um, and those types of things or really anything in a patient's control can change the progression of heart valve disease. Having said that, it's always a good idea to follow a proper diet and to exercise, in part because by exercising, you'll have symptoms sooner, which will mean you'll be able to make the diagnosis sooner. Also, it's always important to uh, avoid things like smoking because these things seem to be associated with heart valve disease, but it's not clear to us that if you stop doing these things, that it will prevent heart valve disease. And once again, you mentioned the fact of going to your doctor and talking about your symptoms. And many people don't yet realize or don't yet take the wherewithal to become their own advocate. How important is that? I think that uh, that is very important, not just in heart valve disease, which of course is under-recognized by both patients and providers, but in all of medicine. Patients are integral parts of the healthcare team that's taking care of them. And healthcare is more effective when patients are engaged. And so I know this is difficult and a little bit different maybe than what we've uh, had culturally over the last 50 or 100 years, but an engaged patient who's advocating for themselves is generally going to do the best. Before we have to let you go, I'm sure that some of our listeners are hearing this and maybe they are looking to get more information. But again, there's so much information out there. Sometimes it points you in the wrong direction. Is there a place where they could go and get exactly what they need to know about 
hashtag ask for echo? So we have a website, ask for echo.com. That's uh, the number four. Um, and patients can go there and get information about the topics we've been talking about here. And they can also sign up if they'd like to, to be involved in the campaign. Thank you so much. But before I let you go, is there anything that maybe we left out or that you would like to make sure that our listeners know? Uh, Paula, I think the take home for people is heart valve disease is common. It can be lethal. It's underdiagnosed and that you need an ultrasound of your heart to diagnose it, especially if you have symptoms of shortness of breath, chest pain, fatigue, or swelling. Again, that's the Ask Number 4 Echo campaign. Having problems with migraines? Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, is here. Migraines are a recurring type of headache. So they have some standard typical symptoms that we look for. But in general, it is a severe pain that is throbbing or pulsating, and it's typically on one side of the head. Now, it can alternate, but it's typically on one side each time. And then you also have other symptoms with migraines, like like sensitivity to light, sensitivity to sound, and sometimes even nausea and vomiting. What's the distinction between headache, migraine? So there's multiple different types of headaches. The first type of headache that we're going to talk about is a primary headache. So this is truly a pain in the head that is not caused by something else. So this is your true run-of-the-mill headaches. And these can be migraines, but these can also be tension headaches. The pain that we get that kind of goes up the back of our neck and into the base of our head from, um, you know, stress or tension in your neck or poor posture or sleeping wrong. But then there's also other types of headaches and those kinds are called cluster headaches or even there's also headaches that are caused by alcohol, especially red wine or even certain foods. So there's multiple types of headaches. But the primary ones are the ones that are not caused by anything else. And when we're talking about migraines, we hear the word trigger. What does that mean? So triggers are essentially what causes that migraine. So different people have different triggers. So like I mentioned earlier, alcohol, especially red wine, that is a huge trigger for certain people. Other triggers can be sleep or lack of sleep bad posture, stress especially, and those are all things that kind of tend to bring on or trigger the migraine. Bad posture? Yes. So bad posture, so essentially slumping your shoulders, not sitting up straight, bending your neck to look down at your desk or your keyboard, those can increase the tension in your neck, which essentially can lead to a headache or even a migraine. What are some of the things that people can do Maybe to number one, avoid, and number two, when they get one, what to do about it? To avoid migraines, you, you truly have to know your, your triggers. If you get them when you're stressed out, try to avoid stress. If you get them when you're not sleeping well, try to get a full eight hours of sleep. Now, the reason they last so long is because there's multiple phases to migraines. So the first one is typically called a prodrome, and this is actually 24 hours before the migraine it can start. And they're early symptoms, so they can be unexplained mood changes, they can be, you know, just kind of a feeling of unease. But typically, people know when they get that feeling that they are going to be getting a migraine. And then right before the migraine, there's the phase of aura. And typically with that, people will see flashing lights, bright lights. They'll um, feel, they can feel weak. They can feel dizzy. And this typically happens right before a migraine. Now, not everyone with migraines will get these symptoms, but the people that do get the very typical migraines do. And then finally, we have the actual headache itself. So migraines usually start gradually and then get worse. And then, like I said earlier, they are typically throbbing or pulsating on one side of the head. And then also you'll get the increased sensitivity to light or noise, um, nausea, sometimes vomiting. And then typically the pain worsens with activity. So most people that do get migraines feel best when they lay in a, a cool, dark, quiet room and just try to kind of get rid of all of those external factors that make things worse. When do we go to the doctor? Anytime you get a new headache, so you've never had a migraine before and you start getting all of these symptoms, that's concerning. It may be a new migraine, but until you actually get checked and get that diagnosis, if you get any of those symptoms, you do want to get checked out or if the headache is the worst headache you've ever had. So if you typically get migraines, but they go away when you lay in the cool, dark room, 
or you take your migraine medicine, but this time it's not working or it seems different. That's when you need to get checked out. Are they hereditary? They can be, yes. Unfortunately, pretty common. About 12% of Americans do get migraines. They're definitely more common in women. Women are actually three times more likely to get them. And then people with migraines, most of them have family members that also have them. So they do think that there is a genetic component. Anything else, Dawn, that maybe we've left out that you want everybody to know? Because this is a very popular topic. Sure. So I guess what I'd like to keep everyone aware of is most headaches are harmless. However, if it is a new headache, the worst headache of your life, or you are having any new or unusual symptoms with that headache, you do want to get checked out. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.